Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sanderlanch podcast. I'm Data, and with me today is Joe, Jack, and Jamie. And today we are discussing the Alloy of Law, chapters 14, 15, and 16, wherein uh, the our, our, our crew meets Renette and uh, gets to hang out in her house some. She's an interesting character. Miles has another discussion with Mr. Suit and ends up with a uh, couple of babysitters for the big heist. And then Wax and Wayne initiate their plan to foil said heist. So a lot happening here, uh, including something that uh, people have been waiting for for a very long time. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. The grip of greed, it rains, there's just one track to lead this moving train. The price of progress is a dying world, the price of trust is pain after the wrath of bitter shame. Look up into the night, pillars of risen, they all in their light, forward we run. Splinter the steel, weaken the wheel So yeah, here we go. We are approaching the end here. We got one, two, three, four, four chapters and an epilogue left after this. So things are heating up a little bit. What did you guys think? of these three chapters that we read this time uh so i i actually really um enjoyed each of these chapters i feel like they were well um it was kind of nice to have these all kind of together uh and it and it set up quite nicely for what we're going to read next i feel like the first chapter renette seems like a really fun character there um, was a little bit of payoff there's obviously something that between Wayne and, and her, even if it's all one-sided, very cool. I like these kind of characters like Renette that are kind of eccentric, but in like a, like a hermit type way. So like she's she's obviously got some eccentricities, but she's also very like, leave me alone. I want to be with myself. So I like characters like that. Uh, I think they're fun, kind of interesting. So yeah, I, I really like her character. This stuff with Mr. Suit, and then we find out about... What is it? This, 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 not the society, the, the set, the set. set. Yeah. The set. So I'm just like, Oh, that's like a whole thing, huh? And so, you know, that springs to mind possibilities for future books. Definitely interested to know more about the set. And, uh, also I'd be interested to know if it's the set, like if he's Mr. Suit, is it like Mr. Shoes? Mr. Hat, <laughs> uh, you know that'd be that'd be kind of funny. To and the one dude gets the whole suit; everyone else just gets pieces. That I yeah. guess that would make him pretty important in the group, right? Exactly. So yeah, that'd be yeah, Mr. Socks. Uh, but yeah, that'd be funny <laughs> if that was the case. I, yes. I doubt that it. I doubt that it is. But you've got Steve Buscemi in the corner. He's like, "Why am I Mr. Underwear?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Why am I Mr. Briefs?" But yeah, so th- that that's definitely interesting. Want to know more? Uh, the, the the kind of resolve moment for miles is cool where he's like okay i'm i've i'm committing i'm like i'm not hiding anymore this is who like i I, i'm gonna dress in my old law law guy outfit and but i am i am this guy now i am this criminal um so that was that was very interesting cool use of gold and then oh 
man, I don't remember where this fell, but I'm just I'm I'm not gonna bury the lead here. The old imperial high language, imperial. high imperial language. <laughs> really, 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 really. Uh, so yeah, I was super thrilled when they said that that was the high imperial language. Super, super fun. Anyway, uh, I and then I, said I, that. I was like, I was gonna love these. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Your, no, your, your exact words were, oh shit. No, I, I, after I read it, like I stopped reading and I texted Data and I was like, "Hi, Imperial?" question mark exclamation point and then all in caps. Hi, Imperial. Yep. Uh, anyway, ridiculousness. But uh, no, very good chapters. The last chapter I think was one of my faves. Wayne, Wayne is just he brings the brings the comedy, but in a good way. Like it's it's very fun to read chapters from his perspective and yeah, to be in his head. Yeah, it's and and then just to see all the things he's doing to get the job set up, it was just really fun. So good, really good chapter to to go out on for this uh, for this show. So I was excited, excited. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited to read the next part. So going all the way back to the very first Mistborn book that we read, we have gotten emails and comments and people in the Discord. Well, I mean, you know, the Discord maybe didn't exist back then, but yeah. Ever since then, people have been like, "I can't wait till you get to High Imperial. Joe is gonna hate it so much." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it certainly wasn't a pleasant surprise, but uh, you know, it's it's. If it if it kind of stops and ends there, I'm actually fine with it because you know it's like it's kind of almost funny that like his ridiculous speech is considered like the high imperial language. Plus, like he was already talking normal when he became king. Why the hell would he go why? back to talking? Yeah, exactly. Like, that? Yeah, like right. why would you do that? <laughs> anyway, but now it was you know it was goofy. It was a goof. As long as it kind of dies there, I'm fine with it. But if this is something we're going to have to deal with on a regular basis, <laughs> then I'm not super thrilled. But anyway, I'm excited. Uh, I like the way when you said that. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, you just wait. There's going to be a whole chapter in High Imperial. <laughs> like, no! Fuck. And that's when Joe quit the podcast. Yeah. I like how Marisai was like, I, I can read it. Uh, let me see. <laughs> and then she's like, you're trying to read it. And she's like, eh, it says they, I think it's a cry for help. <laughs> I think High anyway. Imperial in this society is supposed to be kind of like Latin is to us. Right. So, you know, it's, it's not going to be used all the time, but maybe it'll pop up in a few other places. Who knows? Yeah, maybe so. It's going to be on like on carvings in the walls and stuff. <laughs> and you're just like, really? We had to etch this into the eternity of stone? <laughs> eternity of a stone? Of eternity of stone. That's a good uh, book title. Reminds me of Doors of Stone, which is just depressing. Which, you know, yeah, that is depressing. Why did you bring that up? <laughs> let's 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 celebrate this current author who's now gifted us with four new books just out of his butt. Oh, um, we need to look up that Kickstarter. We need to contribute to it. Let's see how let's, let's see where that has gotten to. Now. Yeah, it's Here's over thirty mil. Yeah, it's almost it's, over. I think. Last time I looked, it was very close to thirty mil. It's so. like, yeah, it's just gonna. Oh, four days to go. Okay. Four days, and they're at thirty-four million dollars. So yep. yeah. I gotta I gotta remember to move that money from one account to another right when that comes due. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, these were good. The the chapter with Renette, it's like on the one hand, I really enjoyed it because I, I agree with Joe. I think this type of character who is like a bit of a hermit but also really focused and really good at their their craft are always really fun to read. I loved watching her walk around her house just pulling on things to make the doors open. I thought that is that's the ultimate 
you know, people in this day and age say, oh, I want to use the force. It's like, well, you're obviously <laughs> not going to use it to, like, you know, do the massive jumps and, like, combat and stuff. You're going to use it to open the door to your house, yep. that, like, so you, as you're walking past, so you don't have to break stride. So Get a beer to fly out of the fridge to your hand, something like oh, that. Oh, yep. 100%. <laughs> um, so, yeah, watching her do all that, I was reminded of that and thought, man, this girl's got it figured out. So that was that was a lot of fun. I felt I did feel a bit let down just the way they built her up is like she is going to murder you on sight. And then she was kind of like there was a bit of that initially, but then it was a lot. It just seemed a lot more playful than I was expecting. I was expecting something actually a lot more heartfelt mm. behind it, especially given some of the predictions we've thrown out about her in the past. And it's like, no, no, she just hates it when Wayne hits on her. I'm like, oh, OK, why does she hate wax then? <laughs> Oh, yeah, like, just because he's always hanging out with Wayne. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It, yeah, it just it just seemed kind of well it, a bit anticlimactic, I guess. But mm. yeah, that's that's probably also on me for building up something in my head when there was no need for it. So that was good. Uh, I did enjoy seeing Miles. Just like we haven't seen a lot of him in this book. I think he's really only been in a few scenes, but he just he gets more interesting every time I read him. Just like his headspace and the conflicts he goes through. Um, I did like seeing him do burning the gold and like coming to terms with what he saw. That that was really cool. Nice little touch. Yeah. And then the last chapter, uh, yeah, I, I was reminded a lot of um, there's a Michael Crichton book, and then he directed the movie called um, The First Great Train Robbery. Have you oh, guys yeah, seen that? The Great The Great Train Robbery. I haven't seen the movie, but I read the book. Yeah, read the, read the book, and like, the, and the movie's got Sean Connery and a very young Donald Sutherland in it. So. Oh. Like it's yeah, it, that it's a lot of fun. And like when I was reading that chapter, I just had images of Sean Connery and Donald Sutherland running around the tr- the train station in my head. <laughs> so and it was just really fun. It just shows like I think like Joe said, like Wayne is comic relief in a good way because he's not a bumbling oaf. He's really really smart. He just has a weird way of looking at the world and stuff like that. So it's really fun just to watch him do his thing. And yeah, their little plan to get ready to foil Miles is just like I loved seeing them set it up and everything they had to do like fooling the guards multiple times over like that, yeah a lot of fun and I, can't, and I can't wait to see this all pay off i do like a young donald sutherland in uh there's the movie uh kelly's heroes is i love it mainly because of his character and how hilarious he is i haven't seen that one it's i don't i don't generally do war movies and it's it's like the one world war ii movie that i like and it's mostly because of how hilarious he is in it but uh <laughs> i mean clint eastwood is the main character and like it's got, oh, yep. uh, it's got like, uh, oh, what's his name, Telly Savalas and Don Rickles, and he's got a lot of great actors, but uh, he's my favorite of that bunch. I and I agree with you, Miles is an interesting, the uh, especially seeing into his head here. He's a very introspective guy, and maybe that just comes with being a gold misting because that's the only thing you can do with it. Basically, is introspect. Yeah, but uh, it's definitely it's an interesting character trait that he he shows. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, I really like these chapters, particularly that last one. I thought that was really good with Wayne at the train station and setting up their plan, which was pretty cool. Interesting. So the first two chapters that I I actually read them out of the book, but then the third chapter I listened to as an audiobook which is my first time listening to an audiobook at all. But it was it was actually really fun to get all of Wayne's voices. Um, <laughs> I never thought of that. That's great. Yeah. And I'm – because we were, we were coming back in the car from the coast and I cannot read in the car to save myself. So we're listening to that and I'm just 
chuckling. It was it was very very good um, to to hear that. So I'm almost gonna have to go back and like start the book again and hear Wayne all the way through with all the different dialects that he comes up with. <laughs> but yeah, that last chapter was great. I really enjoyed watching or hearing Wayne, you know, stopping time, changing his disguise, and like these poor people that he's messing with on like, multiple occasions as a different person is just wonderful. Really, really nice bit of writing. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was very, very, very clever. And I cannot wait to sort of see the next part and how this plan unfolds. It's all very, very smart. Um, I also love that we didn't get any of the plan before it's thrown into action. And I think it was wonderful to get it from Wayne's point of view, mm-hmm. uh, mostly, which was which was great. Yeah, I agree. Renette is a really cool character. I hope we get to see a bit more of her around the place. And yeah, just being able to use her uh, allomancy. I loved that, you know, they don't actually have to use hand gestures, but she does. And I'm just <laughs> picturing her wandering her house like a witch. I'm going to open this door. I'm going to bring this to me. I'm going to do this, do that. Very cool. Um, it was really well written that you can actually see it like I I built this picture of what her house looked like and what her workshop looked like and it just it was really nice to read it I really really enjoyed that and yeah Miles I hope we sort of see a bit more of Miles Mr Suit I don't know I'm looking for there to be some twist there and I don't know what I'm looking for in that dynamic between those characters there's still very few hints about him and so you're like are we supposed to know this guy or is he I don't know who yeah i'm not sure who the hell is mr suit and he loves i loved his bodyguards it's like well you might as well make yourself useful (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna look after watch after me you're gonna have to do something helpful as well so i look forward to seeing him again and and how they come into the the heist watching all that come together but yeah really really good chapters really enjoying it yeah, I always, I always feel better when they don't lay out the plan ahead of time because you're like, hey, this plan might work now that we didn't have a whole scene where you were explaining it. Yes. It's, it's just fun to see it in action. It's like, what's going to happen next? Oh, look how clever they were with that. Ooh. <laughs> mm. Okay, I guess let's get into these chapters. So we start the chapter with Wax just pounding on a door uh, in this nice street. And there's the thing about how like trees in the roughs are all tiny and scraggly, but here they're all nice. And Renette opens the door, a lean, long-legged woman with dark hair pulled back in a shoulder-length tail, wearing brown trousers and ruffs-style long leather coat. I like that she wears a big coat just around her house. All right. (laughs) You never know. And then she sees Wax and Wayne and just slams the door shut in their faces. And Wayne and Wax both look at each other and then take a step to the side. And Marisai's like, wait, what's going on? And Wax has to pull her over before the door slams open and Renette is back with a shotgun. I will count to ten. And Wax is like, come on, Renette. I'm like, one, two, three, four, five. Do we really have to six, seven, eight? Like, she's counting very fast and raising the gun, aiming at them. And Wax is like, okay, okay, okay. They go out to the sidewalk and she slams the door shut again. And then they just stand there. And Wax is like, hey, neither, neither of us got shot. So really, this uh, with Renette, especially if Wayne's here, this is actually a good start. That's right unfair. She's only shot me three times. You're forgetting calling fail. That was in the foot. Barely counts. Wayne, jeez. But apparently Wax says that Renette rarely shoots people other than Wayne, so it's okay. And then eventually she flings open the door again. It's like, you guys aren't leaving. I need your help. I need you to stick your head in a bucket of water and slowly count to a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. 
And so she aims her shotgun at them, and Wayne says to Maris, I don't worry, at this distance, birdshot probably won't be lethal. Just make sure your eyes are closed. <laughs> Thanks. Probably. Yeah. And Wax says, you're not helping. And he goes, oh, what, you want me to help? Okay, give me that aluminum gun. Renette, I got a neat gun you can have. <laughs> and uh, Renette's like, oh. When when he says that it's a pistol made out of aluminum, she's like, you should have told me you mentioned you brought a bribe. <laughs> Wayne's like, I know what the ladies like. <laughs> and Wax is like, that revolver is enough for us to buy an entire house full of guns. I might shoot you now. The ways of Wayne are mysterious and incomprehensible. What he giveth, he can draw back unto himself. And lo, let it be written and pondered. That's, uh, I love it. Brilliant. He hands her the revolver and she's looking at it like, oh, where'd you get this? The Vanishers? Who are they? And Maris says, like, how, do you, how could you not know? Everyone is talking about them. And she's like, people are stupid. I, fi- I find them annoying, and those are the ones I like. And so she's immediately intrigued by this gun and the fact that there's aluminum rounds for it as well. And then she sees Marisai and goes, who's the ornament? And Marisai doesn't like that, but she's not going to make a fuss about it, given that uh, Renette was very close to shooting them a moment ago. Didn't she have a line about self-preservation being more important? Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> Smart, Marisai. Good job. Yeah, exactly. Smart girl. Yeah, she wasn't fond of being referred to as an ornament, but she was fond of remaining unshot, so silence seemed prudent. Yeah. Mm. I think we're all fond of being unshot, even Wayne. Yeah, probably. <laughs> True. And so they, they go into the house, and Renette, as it turns out, is a uh, a lurcher, someone who can pull with iron and this may be the first named character that we've ever seen who's a lurcher yeah they're Mm. fairly uncommon which is surprising considering how common coin shots are right and so as as they mentioned when in the intro renette has her whole house set up with like levers that she can just alimantically pull to open doors and close doors and things and i like what jamie said about that because it's absolutely true i get the same impressions like this magic this witch who waves her hand and magically doors open and if i had the power i would absolutely be doing that all the time might as well I, make a spectacle out of it. I do it now. When you go to like a grocery store or whatever and the door opens, I'm like, wave my hand. Like, yes, open. Because mm-hmm. I'm like five. So. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you forget that electricity is still real new here because Renette, Renette has a bunch of electrical devices and just cords snaking across the floor. And Marisai's like, isn't electricity dangerous? I've heard stories of people getting burned and as if struck by lightning. Ah, Marisai, you sweet, sweet. Naive lamb. <laughs> Early cords, when for electricity was first uh, going, maybe they were more dangerous also. So, And uh, Wax is like, so I assume it's living up to your expectations. And she says, what, this city? It's a pit. I don't feel half as safe here as I did out in the roughs. And Wayne is very hurt that she left the roughs. And he, she's like, well, you guys didn't have electricity. I need me some of that sweet, sweet juice. And seeing how casually Renette uses her alamancy just leaves Marisai once again dwelling on how useless her power is and Lord Harms had insisted she keep her ability quiet, calling it unseemly. But really, you just couldn't have it public that she was an alamancer and have her start looking like a better catch than the legitimate daughter. So he didn't seem like a terrible guy when we met him. But the more we hear about him, the more he sounds like an asshole. Uh, We thought he was like the more the more we actually saw him. He was like, this guy's all right. Yeah. Also, like kind of weird. It's like, oh, yeah, she's an alamancer. So she'd be a better catch. Yeah. But by her own admission, her power is kind of shit. Yeah, but you got to figure that, like, if it's genetic, then there may be more likely you would have Alamancer children if you are an Alamancer. I guess. And I like she's like, I assume you want me to find out who made this gun. And he's like, actually, we just need a safe place to hang out for a little bit. And she says, your mansion isn't safe. 
my butler failed to poison me, then tried to shoot me, and then set off explosives in my study. And she goes, huh, you need to screen these people better, Wax. Yeah, so no, not not real safe. My uh, my Alfred did not Alfred for me. He uh, tried to kill me. It's like, your mansion isn't safe? I'm not sure my mansion's there anymore. Yeah, seriously. How big, how big was the explosion? Hopefully they got any fires or whatever under control. Yeah. And he wants a new gun. And uh, she's like, no, nah, fuck you. What, what happened to the ones I gave you? He's like, uh, gave them to the aforementioned butler. He probably dumped them in the canals. He's like, what about the other one that I gave you? Yeah, I lost that fighting Miles uh, Daguterre earlier today. And that gets her attention. Wait, what? Why is Miles 100 Lives trying to kill you? And that's when Wayne pops up and he's like, he's trying to overthrow the city or something, dearie. And she's like, don't, don't call me dearie. Sure thing, honey. Oh, gosh, Wayne. Really? Ugh. I almost don't blame her for wanting to shoot you at that point. Yep. <laughs> like Renette ends with whatever. Don't really care. You're not getting a new Starion. And she's Marissa's like, is there something between those two? She acts like a jilted lover. And Wax is like, yeah, Wayne wishes. Renette's not interested in him like that. I'm not certain she's interested in any man like that. Doesn't stop him from trying, though. And so she says, what's our next move? And he goes, well, I'm trying to decide. For now, if we linger long enough, she might give me a new gun. And she says, or he, she might shoot you. And he's like, nah, she never shoots anyone after letting them in the door that I can remember, even Wayne. And they have kind of a discussion about Marisai and why she's doing all the stuff that she's doing. And she basically, she's felt useless her whole life and been told that she's useless, like to her face. And she's like, I just, I want to accomplish something. Even, even if to be used of use in even a single burst of flame and sound is worth more than a lifetime of achieving nothing. That's just sad. Yeah, damn. She got some deep, deep uh, issues there. Parasite, you also need therapy. You and Wax should find a good therapist. Yeah. And Wax is just kind of exploring and finds a box of bullets and says, hey, what are these? And she says, Haze killer rounds. That This got my attention. Yeah, this is cool. She's designing ammunition for use against each basic type of Alamancer. Coin shot rounds with ceramic tips. So when they push back against the bullet, the metal falls away and the ceramic keeps going and hits them. Gee, that's hardcore. Yeah. Might even be better than aluminum rounds because an Alamancer can't sense those and knows to take cover. They'll sense these right up until they're dead, bleeding on the floor. And I love Wax's reaction. I've never been so glad we're on the same side, or at least that you're on your own special side and that we don't run afoul of each other too often. And Marisai's more interested, like, oh, you've invented this awesome stuff. What are you going to do with it? Like, patent it? License it? And Rath's like, what? No, if I did that, everyone would have them. Half the people <laughs> in the city would be here bothering me. Forget that. <laughs> I love, and you guys talked about the hermit character being fun. I love somebody who makes cool shit just to make it, doesn't have anything in mind beyond that. Just like, this is a really cool idea. I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's just like, just really passionate. I, I like Renette. She's she's yeah. very ornery, which is also a fun character trait, but uh, she's fun. She's the lovable, angry person. Lurcher rounds are similar, except that the ceramics are on the side. So when they pull a bullet towards wherever, the metal will come and the ceramic keeps going. The tinai rounds make extra noise when fired so that uh, you're leaving them cowering on the floor after a few very loud noises to their super sensitive ears. And I like the pewter rounds are just like just really big really strong a lot of stopping power and she's like okay so what's what's who are these people you're trying to save they're so important and they explain what's happening and she's like miles is involved in that and wax says yes and she says third cubby all the way up at the back and she has made a new kind of gun out of invarian steel which allowed her to increase the number of chambers to eight 
Are we supposed I, to know what Invariant no, Steel I d- is? No, I, d- I don't think so. Okay. I like how the the grip on this has, like, the onyx and ivory, because like, it's very much going back to Vin and Ellen, one yep. always wearing black and one always wearing white. Yep. And she's named it Vindication after the Ascendant Warrior. That's cool. And it's got... I, I like... I like everything about this gun, but it's got, like, the internal safety that only somebody who can push or pull metal can put it on safe or off of safe. So uh, Wax is a perfect person to test this because he is a coin shot, so nobody will ever use this gun against him in a fight. That's awesome. And it's got the two chambers, the two extra chambers. It only stops on them if you pull a little lever. So you can put Haze Killer rounds in those two ones and ordinary shots in the others. So you can use them at just the right time. That's really kind of an ingenious uh, idea. I love it. Yeah. And she has taken apart the aluminum gun and is immediately like, oh, this is Noxel's work. And she's looking at the pieces. And she's, this is where she's like, does anyone here speak High Imperial? Wayne says, hurts, makes my head hurt. Oh, man. <laughs> does we feel it ever. That, buddy. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, spook. Why? And Mara says, like, I can read it kind of. And she takes it and says, was the wear of needing... This lofty tongue was used only for old documents dating to the time of the origin. <laughs> lofty, so lofty. And occasionally for government ceremony. Yeah. It's like fucking government ceremony. Like, is the like, like the king or the emperor, whoever the hell's in charge, he's like knighting people. And it's like, like, dubbeth thee of the knighting of <laughs> such and such. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I want to see these ceremonies, uh, yeah. It's I a whole thing. Because, I mean, all right, you think of formal government ceremonies and speeches and everything else like they're long and boring as it is mm-hmm. like if you have to throw in about 20 extra syllables to each phrase they're gonna get even more boring and long <laughs> yeah it's uh it's not a winning idea in my opinion but you know i've got uh, my own biases i suppose <laughs> but yeah it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense but i guess if you looked at our history and like in medieval times the type of language that they used it's like or or like the king james bible like nobody talks like that anymore yes but uh yeah it's uh it was <laughs> shocking to say the least i was appalled um but <laughs> you know i'm dealing with it but, but like the thing is all right yeah back at the time of the king james bible that's that's how they talked but there weren't people also talking like we do today at mm. the same time whereas at, at this point there was that's a very good point also like and i think that's why it's it's supposed to be very tongue-in-cheek but it's like this was a street slang dialect and now it's like lofty <laughs> like you know it's just kind of goofy like to me it spooks saying oh you know be really funny yep. so if i made everybody talk in the street slang for uh for like super important matters that's exactly what I assume it was. It's yeah. just yep. like, this would be hilarious if I did this. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do it. I'm just picturing so, you know. Breeze standing behind him just going, no, don't, <laughs> what the fuck, why? Yeah. So, you know, I haven't said it in a while, but, uh, I, you know, it, it bears repeating itself. Fuck spook. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fuck the Lord Mistborn to you. I mean, nah. I'd like to see him come here and say that to me. <laughs> we, uh, we saw him as an awkward teenager, not as a king. It's true. I don't know. Telling girls, I know why you're sad, doesn't bode well for adulthood either. Yeah. Well, apparently, like he was, like he was also a massive player. Who, like, so he what? He just had a harem. I don't know. I mean, if someone... you're the king, is it hard to be a massive player? You're just like, bring me a woman. Maybe. So what, he was hit like Henry the Eighth. What did he do? Did he behead them after he got bored? 
someone in the Discord after our last discussion of it pointed out that the the quote from Brandon is that like he was kind of a stud and had lots of kids. They were like it that it doesn't necessarily say that he had these kids with lots of different women. And I was okay. like, oh yeah, maybe that was just my assumption uh, based on like stud and some of the other like context in that quote. So maybe I've misled you on that. It, it's unclear. That's fair. That is that that is a fair point. Maybe he had all the children with uh, what's her name, the sad Eldry. son, Eldry. Eldry, yeah. Maybe maybe they had all the children, and maybe he just taught all the children to speak spook talk, <laughs> and then that's just what they thought they knew, and then it just went from there. Right. Maybe he didn't. So basically, he was like, "Here, here, kids, let's talk in this language, so your mother won't know what we're talking about." Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah. And then it became lofty and imperial. It's like, hey, kids, Uncle Quellian's come to visit. It's like, Uncle Quellian doesn't like visiting because he can't understand what the hell anyone's saying. <laughs> he just he just looks at his sister and goes, why did you let him do this? And she's like, I couldn't stop him. <laughs> they outnumber me. <laughs> he is the king, Quellian. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> you're, you're his wife. You could stop breeding for him. I mean, yeah. but he's just so studly. <laughs> uh, how am I supposed to say no to that studliness? <laughs> What's her power again? She was a coin shot, I think. She was a coin shot. Okay. What, what can you, what can you do to him? Well, you know, we're sleeping in the same bed. I could just throw coins at him all night so he doesn't get any sleep. <laughs> we're, we're, ha- we're having dinner and oops, he accidentally forked himself. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach you to shut up. <laughs> This is why he speaks in spook talk with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I was a coin shot, I would absolutely be like throwing random stuff at uh, every, every t- you know, not not so fast as to be painful or anything, but just to annoy them. Be like, stop it. Whenever whenever your spouse annoys you, you're like throwing a little thing at him. I just keep some paper clips handy just for that. <laughs> uh, Renette mentions that she's uh, she's like I don't really have a gun to use against Miles. I've been working on a gun to use against Bloodmakers, but it's only half finished. And I want to know what that gun is like. Like, what is this idea? Yeah, I don't know how that would work. Like, it maybe... So here's a thought. But Oh, you have to burn it. I was about to say, if you were shot with aluminum, would that drain all your gold? But you have to, no, you have to burn it. So no. I guess that wouldn't work. Yeah. I want it to be, like, an explosive round. Like, you shoot it and it lodges into their body and then explodes inside them. It's like, maybe they can't come back from that. I don't know. For some reason, that's where my mind immediately goes when she says this. But sure. I really have no idea. Well, if she if he gets his brain destroyed, would that do it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Lord Ruler claims back in the the first trilogy, he claimed to have, with this same healing power, essentially survived beheading more than once. That he survived being burned alive, being flayed, being there, there's a few other things. Whether hmm. he, whether he's telling the truth about that. Who knows? But that's what he's right. Yeah. Also, like he did see Miles throw back his own arm though, mm. and get shot in the eye. Like it sounds pretty not so far fetched that the Lord Ruler could have survived that. Also, who's like doing this, to the Lord Ruler? I guess if they, if like people are like, we're tired of your tyranny, and somehow they capture him, and they're like, okay, maybe it was in the early years. Yeah, I think it was. I think he said it was in the early years when he was still like fighting to take over everything, basically. Mm, okay. And uh, Wax is like, she's got that dynamite? And Wayne says, sure do, here in my coat pocket. And he's like, you're absolutely insane. Okay. 
sends Marisai out for fishing nets, strong ones, and then asks Renette if he can borrow a room and some paper. And she's like, yeah, okay, whatever, so long as you're quiet about it. And she, then she says, if you really think you can take on Miles, he's immortal. You would need a small army to stop him. And Wax says, good, because I intend to bring one. Which, given what we see about the plan later, it's like, what does he mean? Wayne is his small army. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> It's a very small army. I have an army. I have a Wayne. <laughs> Wayne will play 50% of our army. <laughs> and the other 50% will be played by Marisai and beggars. We've had a massive outbreak of COVID w- among our extras tonight. So the army will be played <laughs> by Wayne. <laughs> we cut back to M- Miles. I was Marisai. Back to Miles. Talking to Mr. Suit down in their tunnels. It's like, yeah, Wax is slippery. He's lived this long by learning to avoid being killed by people who are stronger and craftier than him. And Suit is like, you shouldn't have revealed yourself. And he's like, what? No, he just, he, I wasn't going to shoot him without him seeing me. He deserves more respect than that. And then thinks to himself, I didn't mention the, the shot that I took at him before, while his back was turned before he saw me, but whatever. And that I had to take my mask off so that I could heal my face. Yeah. And then Suit's like, oh, you're going to go kill a friend. And Miles says, no, we're not friends. We were never friends. We're like two rival kings. We did similar jobs, worked together, but that's it. And Suit tells him he's becoming a liability. The set does not like you. Though as of yet, I have continued to vouch for your effectiveness. Don't make me regret that. Many of my colleagues are convinced you will turn against us. And Miles immediately thinks, yeah, maybe. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> and he's thinking about, and he wants revenge on Ellendale for what they've been doing to the roughs all this time. He wants to cast down the these powerful people, the senators and constables and the lords. So there's senators. I think we already knew that about this government. I, I, I didn't really think about the fact until somebody just mentioned it, that we don't really know. Like, do they have a king, a president? What did they, what did they do? Yeah, actually, we have no idea how the politics system works anymore. We know that there's elections for various seats in, like, houses, because we saw in mm-hmm. one of the broadsheets that a guy who was running for election was revealed as an Alamancer. And we know that... Yeah. We know that... There's like a House of Lords type thing where Wax has a seat and a vote in that house. But uh, I think that's all yeah. we know. I feel like Miles, and maybe we talked about this before, but I feel like Miles is almost trying to be set up here as like a Kelsier. Like, mm. it's like, I'm taking down the aristocracy. The elite need to be brought down. Like, you know, so it's kind of a weird take. Well, and it's also weird because it's just like, we don't know the system that well, but based on what we have seen, it's like, maybe he's not totally wrong. And, uh, Miles is thinking about how he lost so much aluminum. Damn you, wax. Damn you, straight to Iron Eyes' tomb. So apparently Iron Eyes has a tomb. Well, he's, he's all about death, so it makes sense he would live in a tomb. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe he lives there. I hadn't thought of it that way, yeah. <laughs> so Suit says, the set has agreed to this job tonight. Afterwards, you're going to go to ground for six months and focus on recruitment. And we'll get you a new list of targets. And Miles says that Wax is definitely going to show up tonight. He's going to figure out where we're going to hit, and he's going to try to stop us. And Suit's like, okay, well, then tonight you kill him. Use the woman as bait if you need to. Also, you're taking these two guys with you to make sure everything goes smoothly. And Miles is not happy about that, but Suit's like, you don't get a choice. You're going to do this. You've proven unreliable with regard to Waxillian. And he says, have you ever fought, have these guys ever fought Alamancers before? And Suit just says, they're among our finest. I think you'll find them more than keep. All right. And Suit's leaving town. He's like, if you survive the night, send someone to update me. But apparently uh, he takes regular trains out of town and back into town. And Miles has been tracking this. So that's an interesting note. Mr. Suit, also played by Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) 
and we get his here's where we start going into the introspective section where he's thinking about how much everything is changing how long before men take to the skies as the words of founding say is possible but change didn't scare miles no auger was bothered by change so in case you'd forgotten that's a gold misting is an auger and like on a whim he just jumps off the balcony and he, when he hits his legs try to break but the fractures re-knit as quickly as they break, so the bone never fully snaps. Jeez, ain't that nice. And that is how he discovers that one of the two guys he's been left with is a coin shot, and the other is a lurcher. So, okay, this is useful information. His body, like, he's been using his ability to heal himself so much, or it's amplified so much that it's subconscious now. Mm. Like, Wayne has to consciously right. heal, right? Yeah. That's pretty scary, is that it just happens. I don't even know if it if it just I think he's basically tapping healing all the time. So maybe it is subconscious yeah. by that point, or maybe he's just always actively thinking about tapping into it. Yeah. You probably get used to that eventually. Like just one section of the back of your mind is focusing on you need to be drawing health. Mm. I guess though too, if you're about to jump off a balcony, you're probably gonna go, mm, probably yeah. need to heal myself. True. And he notes that none of his guys are really, like, loyal or care about his cause, except maybe Tarson. Dear, brutal Tarson. Clamps claimed to be dedicated, though Miles knew otherwise. No, oh, come on, Miles. Clamps is your good buddy. <laughs> Sooner or later, he's also going to have to get the clamps. Yeah, maybe. Yep. And we find out that uh, and people consider gold not to be a useful metal in Alamancy, which makes sense. But uh, he says, in most cases, it's Little better than being an aluminum misting, a power so useless it had become proverbial for one who did nothing. Is there a special name for an aluminum misting? There is, and I think, let me double check here if it's, so I'm just going to see if it's uh, in the Ars Arcanum at the end, because if it is, then I don't mind mentioning what it is, because we haven't heard it before, but uh, they're called aluminum gnats, it says. Gnats as in M-A-T? No, G-N-A-T. Oh, it doesn't really roll off the tongue like auger or seeker or something. Right. Duralumin mistings, by the way, are also called gnats. So it's the only one, I guess, that shares more than one. Weird. Yeah, but I mean, they both do nothing, so I kind of get it. You don't need a cool name. You can't do anything. Yeah. So anybody who senses a review, they probably don't want to be a gnat, right? One would think, yeah. And so Miles burns gold and sees the two versions of himself. The lawkeeper with the white duster and the tinted shades. I like that image, like just yeah. the, like the white coat and sunglasses. I agree. It's a very cool uh, picture. Yeah. And he hates think, hats. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I think Man, Leslie had a white duster also, if I remember right. Hmm. Oh yeah, maybe. I also don't like hats, so I'm totally uh, on the same page with him. Oh, but it's like if you're living out in the desert, though, like a hat can be the difference between life and death. Right. Yeah. Keep the sun off you and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, I do kind of live in the desert and I don't like hats. <laughs> we don't live yeah, in the like, desert. OK, I, mean, I guess you, lately it has been. You're also not living in the dirt. You, you know, yeah. But like like hats, like the reason hats were so pro- like prominent in the old west was because they kept the sun out of your eyes if you're trying to aim a gun. Like I know they've said miles like, prefers to shoot a few times, um, and he's and he okay has sunglasses, missing. So. True, but, like, still, a hat can make a lot of difference. I agree. Uh, I also think a white duster is an odd choice out in the dirt, but, I mean, Ellen, Ellen went, went with white, so maybe it's, like, a, a legacy. I, t- I think of that as, like, white doesn't trap heat as much, so, yeah, it's going to get dirty, uh, but, it's, but it's also not going to be as hot. Yeah, maybe. And that version of himself sees the other man, the the Vanisher, 
with uh, workers clothing walking with a slouch when did that begun and he is shocked by how much these two people these two versions of himself hate each other the criminal no there's so the lawkeeper hates the criminal the criminal hates the lawkeeper for letting others choose his rules and so that would be a little bit shocking to just find out like how exactly how much conflict there is between like these two versions of yourself and he decides that he's going to take that and create an alloy of himself basically some of the men stared at him while he's going through the kind of this introspection but he didn't really care he's like normal criminal bosses have to worry about showing weakness i don't uh, you know no one's going to kill me to take over he'd once put a shotgun to his own head in front of them to prove it that may have fucked up his brain a whole lot and apparently he's fine so who knows but what we do find out is that the trunk there's trunks stolen from wax's mansion down here uh suit had apparently hoped to maybe frame wax with them it says he'd resisted killing wax at first for some reason but he's gotten over that apparently he's like miles you gotta kill this dude tonight but then he finds his own trunk takes out his white dusters his rough trousers his tinted spectacles and he's like everyone will recognize me now i'm not hiding anymore let them see me for what i am he would not turn from his course it was too late to change one's aim when the hammer was already falling but it wasn't too late to straighten his back which that's I would really like that sentiment if it wasn't from, you know, the bad guy. But again, like, because he's a principled bad guy, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, I kind of see where you're coming from. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, I think as far as Miles goes, I agree with his end, with his motives, if not his methods. Hmm. I think. Hmm. Yeah. Well, he keeps talking about how corrupt the city is and the government. We don't know that that's actually true or how much to what extent it's true. So if he's if he's right, then you're like, well, yeah, no, I, I mean, you're basically Kelsier. Like we talked about at that point. Right. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's easy to, to take it as read that. Oh, yeah, the system is like that because we've already seen it like in this series on this same planet that, yeah, the system mm. was corrupt before. It's every and, you know, humans tend to suck. So it's entirely yeah. possible like it's sprung up again make a good point we cut back to wax who's in renette's house with uh some paper that he's he asked for something to prop his pad up so that he could draw and she just hands him a hammer and some nails and so he's driving nails into the fine wood of the wall she does not give a shit and uh wayne took a gun from renette and then left it in exchange for the manifests for where, where various railroads were going tonight that's that's a trade okay and he has figured out where miles is going to strike not that it was hard because there is a very highly publicized shipment of aluminum being sent we know that's what miles is going to want and it is being sent by house techiel in their unrobable freight car out to doxinar or toward doxinar marisai found has found him some nets so that's good i guess and then they have a conversation where he's figured out basically what he thinks is happening. The phantom rail car is like a fake front with a bright light that uh, tricks people into looking that way while the real mischief happens from the side of the canal. And she's like, are you certain? He's like, reasonably. And she's kind of like, okay, if you know where they're going to strike, we really should be telling the cops about this. This is all kind of illegal what we're doing right now. But Wax has no intention of doing that. He's like, look, I'm going to involve them, but this has to be me. Like, if a bunch of cops show up, Miles is going to run. He'll he'll recognize what's going on. I know how he thinks. I can anticipate him. He's like me. And she goes, well, that means he can anticipate you, too. And Wax says, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he will. I'll just anticipate him better. <laughs> okay. Bold claim. We'll see how it uh, – bold plan, Cotton. <laughs> we'll see how it uh, works out. 
And then they have a, a weird conversation where they're guessing what each other is thinking. He's like, you're right about me. You're thinking that I'm arrogant and that I should be handing this over to the constables and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, it's not so bad as that. And he goes, well, it's not bad at all. I am arrogant and foolhardy, but I'm also right. So he's written a letter for Renette to send to the constables with all the details so that no matter what happens to him, they will get the information. And she agrees to go along with it. And he's like, oh, gee, she trusts me too, probably too much, but I'll take it. Because she has a crush on you. Yep. Yeah. And she's like, what are you thinking of me? And he's like, well, you have to guess that if you want, if we're playing this game the same way that in reverse. And so she's like, oh, you, you want, you, you think that you're worried about me being involved lest I get hurt. And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, I have already given you several opportunities to get out. So, I mean, what tipped you off basically? <laughs> she goes, you think I'm clever, but you also that I get flustered too easily. And he talks about one of his old deputies, Paclo the Dusty, which <laughs> Not a what complimentary a nickname. nickname, but I like it. No, no, not a great name. Hey, yeah, I'm Paclo! Picturing, I'm picturing the reason he's dusty is because he keeps getting knocked down to the dirt. Someone just keeps decking him. I picture him like Pigpen from Charlie Brown. Was, was he the one with all the flies around him? Yeah, like there's always like clouds of dirt around him, basically. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, there were clouds of dirt. I thought they were flies. Apparently Paclo startled more easily than any man Wax had ever met. A softly closed door could make him yelp. And she's like, oh, the records always depict him as very brave. And he was. People mistake startlement for cowardice. A gunshot would make him jump, and then he'd run to see what caused it. So he was extremely brave. It was just, uh, you know, he could startle easily, and that doesn't that's not bad, necessarily. The measure of a person is not how much they've lived. It's not how easily they jump at a noise or how quickly they show emotion. It's how they make use of what life has shown them. And she goes, I'm also thinking you like to lecture. Because, yeah, it comes with the lawman's badge. Picture him out in the roughs, like he's captured a bunch of guys, and he just gives them a lecture about how they turn their lives around. Basically, yeah, rating them their rights. Kids. And then uh, there's the moment of tension here, where she's like, "There's another thing I'm thinking about. Can you guess it? Is it and how like, sad he is? <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. why you're sad. You know why I'm sad? <laughs> and he avoids that very deftly, and is like, "Yeah, you, you're thinking I should get Renette to lend you a rifle. Good idea." And she's a little bit uh, embarrassed that he's yeah. blown off her affection like that. But uh, she's like, okay, I think I'll go check on Wayne and Renette. Poor Marisai. This is definitely not the dude for you. I'm sorry. Mm. And I like that he's like, hey, you did a good job of reading me. Not a lot of people can do that. And she goes, yeah, advanced interrogation techniques class. And also um, I've read your psychological profile. Wait, what? I have one of those. Yeah, Dr. Mernbrew wrote it after visiting Weathering. It's like, that guy was a psychologist? I was sure he was a gambling cheat passing through town looking for marks to swindle. And she's like, yeah, that's in there, too. You have a tendency to think anyone who wears too much red is a chronic gambler. And he goes, I do. And she nods. And he's like, damn, I got to read that. It's like, how the hell did you jump to that conclusion? Right? Like, this is a weirdly specific psychological profile. <laughs> yeah. I'm really uncomfortable with how much she knows about him. Mm. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. But like, it, yeah, she's becoming off like sort of a stalkish fan. At least yeah. when it comes down to it in that in this situation, at least he like he puts her he understands where she's trying to go and puts her down gently and she like accepts it and she's a little bit embarrassed. But it they kind of can pass through it without it getting uh, too awkward. So I, I do appreciate that. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just like I don't know how I'd feel about it if someone came in my life, whether there was a romantic interest or not, who just knew so much about me. And mm. it's like, why? Why are you here? 
Yeah, it's not like she's from the future and, you know, she's come back in time and so she knows all about him. It's just like, I've studied you extensively. Like, it's to me, it's like she's obsessed with him. It's not that she's in love with him. She's obsessed with him. Yeah. Mm. So that's the end of the chapter. And uh, he puts in his, his earring at the end. He's supposed to wear it when praying or doing something of great import. And he figured tonight he'd be doing a lot of both. Then we get another broadsheet page with kind of a cool drawing. Uh, of this very dramatic cowboy looking guy and a bunch of what I guess are coloss like coming after him and some woman. And he's got, he's got like a mist coat, like wax does, I guess. Or it's a coat this, on top and tassily at the bottom. Is that elements of Jack? I think it must be because this story in that the picture is next to is a continuation from that last page we looked at where it was like the pits of Altania. And so if you read this, uh, this bit of story, it's, it's kind of funny and ridiculous at the same time, and I won't really go into it because it's not super relevant to anything, but I kind of like it. And then in the bottom corner, there's an ad for electric lights. Cultivated gentlemen, all, in all octants agree, only electric lights will do. Don't get caught in the dark. Until you have a power blackout. Mm. It's just funny to me, the, like the point of this, the, this society is that where you have to advertise, try to convince people that electric lights are great. You need to try them. I've heard that there was a bit of that when electricity, electric lights were first introduced. Like, you know, you'd have the older generation just go, I don't need any of this new wizardry. Like, I, my candles would do just fine. I'm sure there was. Everyone, there's always people like that. And really, yeah, sure. I also know that people were very scared of electricity in a lot of circumstances. Like, Edison made all the light bulbs for that uh, World's Fair or whatever, and people were to basically show people that, no, you don't have to be worried. The electricity is not going to kill you turning on your lights. So it all makes complete sense. It's still just so funny. Yeah. Little story for you. Like, not not in terms of lights and electricity, but watching someone have a fear of new technology. My great-grandmother, I'm very fortunate that I grew up having lots and lots of generations around. My great-grandmother was given a microwave because it would just be really easy for her to do some cooking and mm-hmm. she didn't have to use the oven all the time and – you know, all those things, a microwave is really convenient for. She was so afraid of this new technology. She put the microwave outside, which was fine. She didn't want to use it. Okay. But she would growl at it every time she walked past it. She was <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, look, she was a very feisty old bat. I love, love her dearly. She was a very special person. <laughs> um yeah, and I just remember you go around to Nana's house and she would just be growling at this microwave. It's like, oh, okay. So imagine how she was when, like, lights came in. I like to think that she also would growl at them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> even, I feel like even when I was a kid in the early 90s and microwaves kind of went mainstream in, like, the late 60s or something. So this is a good while later. I feel like even then there were still rumors and people who actually believed, like, no, that'll give you cancer if you use your microwave uh, a lot. Mm. Mm, yeah no you're you're right i remember i would go to my friend's house and his parents had like an older microwave and they would say don't stand right next to the microwave and i was like what yeah they'd be like you're gonna get radiation for the microwave i was like i i don't think that's how that works (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't remember like we had uh we knew our great-grandmother as kids also and i don't i don't remember any technology things like that that she was not a fan of uh, well, I mean, she didn't have a microwave. I don't know if you remember this. She did she not? It. I thought she did. No, she did not. She made everything in her oven. Oh. And so I think that was part of it. It's like she didn't trust it. She made everything in her oven. Mm-hmm. But she was born in like 1899. And uh, oh, wow. So 
there was it, there's a lot of interesting things that looking back, it's like as a kid, didn't seem strange hanging out with your great grandmother. But now looking back, it's like, man, she was she was like kind of racist. But <laughs> I guess that's not shocking for someone yeah. born in 1899. But it's just like, mm, man, yeah. I didn't pick up on sad. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, she was she was super awesome lady though. Kind of miss her. Uh, okay, sorry. Wayne is uh, speaking of old ladies. Wayne is going <laughs> through the rail station with a cane dressed as an old lady. And I love how in his brain he gets into the thought process of these people. He's like, oh, no, no, no thought for a poor elderly woman. He's like ultimate method actor. It really is. No respect at all. A travesty, I tell you. That's what it is. And he like hands a little kid some candy. <laughs> he's not a beggar. He's Abregane, an old woman who'd come to see what all the fuss was about. She wasn't rich or poor. She was frugal with a meticulously patched coat and a favorite hat that had once been fashionable. Like, he really goes deep into this character. He pay, he gives the boys a candy and pats them on the head and thinks they remind Abergain of her grandchildren. Like, okay. He's really backstopped this character with all the story that he's came into it fully ready. And he makes his way up to the front of the crowd that's gathered around to see this new unrobable freight car. This marks the dawn of a new era, the end of banditry and railway robberies, says the guard. And she's like, oh, I'm sure it's very impressive, but surely you exaggerate. I've seen rail cars before. Even Roden one cursed the day. My grandson wanted me to come visit him and meet his bride in coming tar. I always thought a horse and cart always worked well enough for me before. But oh, I, I love this old lady who doesn't even exist. And so he draws out some information by being like uh, scoffing at all these claims about how impregnable the freight car is. Once the door is closed, the locks cannot be opened for 12 hours, no matter who tries to open them. And the steel is six inches thick. You'd need so much dynamite, you'd destroy the contents of the car. And finally, he goes a little too far, lets his accent slip. I mean, all intentionally, but he he slips the accent a little bit. And then he goes, so what will the guards be armed with? And the man's like, well, there's going to be a full quartet of, wait a second. And Wayne goes, oh, I'm missing my tea. And hobbles back through the car. <laughs> oh, it's so good. The guard runs after him. He goes around the corner, puts up a speed bubble, and then... Uh, Takes off the coat, pulls off the blouse underneath. He's got a gentleman's suit beneath that, a black coat, white shirt, and red cravat that Wax had called purposefully unimaginative, whatever that oh. meant. Oh, man, Wax, he's wearing red. He's going to be a gambler. Yeah, exactly. So basically, he, he does a quick change and comes back around the corner dressed as a nobleman. Sorry, just just to, to backtrack. Where did he <laughs> keep a lot of this disguise? <laughs> he had a bag. He formed his bust. Didn't he? It, the bag formed the box. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and then when he flips it around later, it, it was because it was like reversible or something. His jacket. Yeah. His jacket that, that yeah. he was wearing underneath all that outfit was, was also reversible. I just, I'm having difficulty. <laughs> he all of this stuff. Right. At his bust. That's what formed <laughs> the old lady's bust. Like what configuration was all of that stored in? That made a believable bust. Well, apparently it the the okay, so a lot of that he was just wearing like the suit, mostly he was just wearing under the old lady outfit. Yeah. So yeah. he like pulls all hat. that stuff off and then yeah, there's a forming the the bust was a small bag, a collapsible gentleman's hat, and a wet rag, which he uses to remove the uh the makeup. <laughs> so that's not that's not an enormous amount of stuff. I don't know how small the collapsible hat folds up to, but I mean like it's not not enormous, but I mean that's shape wise insane. The shapes yeah. are 
I know the hat's collapsible and stuff, but you try to get that even. Yeah, <laughs> no. I, like if you're hunched over too, maybe no that, one's really looking at an old lady's bust, really. Also true. I mean, if he's wearing, especially if he's wearing like very loose clothing and he's all hunched over, then it might not be very noticeable. Yeah. I just, I couldn't get past that. I had to read it a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of times. So he is now an aristocrat from uh, from House Techiel. He's got the accent of the richest area in the first octant where most of the land is owned by House Techiel. And he runs into the guard and is like, hey, who was, who was that? And he's like, oh, somebody disguised as an elderly woman asking me questions. It's like, that must have been one of the vanishers, damn it. Our reputation is on the line. Our heads are on the line. How many guards do you have? Three dozen, my lord. Not enough. Send for more. I'll do it. I have several of my own guards, and I'll send one to fetch an, another division. And he's like, wait, you left your post? You let them lure you away, you idiot? Go back. And so then as soon as the guy leaves, he puts up another speed bubble when no one's looking. Takes off the hat, drops the cane, reverses the jacket, takes off his pants. So he's got uh, other pants underneath that match the, the guard's outfit. Pulls off the fake nose, puts like a, a little cloth cap on his head and on his head. And he's like, you're going to have the right hat. That's the key. And so he shows up pretending to be uh, one of this guy's guards. Lord Evan Strom Techiel said I should report to you. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. My Lord's really excitable sometimes. This isn't the first time he sent me somewhere I'm not, where I'm not needed. Bren and I will stay out of your way. Bren? Oh, he's right behind me. Wax comes in with a fake paunch of some size, hiding some specific materials he'd need for the night. Well, isn't that ominous? And like, he just, he has to go into great detail about how stupid Wax is. <laughs> and he's just so dumb. I mean, his dad got him the job, but honestly, I mean, you could just do anything to him. He doesn't make, he doesn't know what he's doing. And so uh, Wax gets here and the guy's like, okay, you two stand here and guard this position. And Wax tells him, okay, you're going to have to make sure that no matter what happens after this, they send the car. And then Marisai starts shooting. Everyone's yelling, ducking, trying to avoid bullets. The guards open fire, and Wax is hit, supposedly, blood spraying from his shoulder. Wayne drags him out of harm's way into the open door of the super secure rail car. Nobody says anything. They know that under fire, you get people to safety, no matter where it is. And then Wayne closes the door, and everyone is like, oh, shit. And the captain's like, what are you doing? There's supposed to be soldiers in there. And Wayne's like, well, but they were trying to get in. You saw, like, the bad guys. They were coming. We stopped them now. We won. And the captain goes and says this same stuff to the noblemen who are uh, storming over to be upset at the captain. He's like, no, look, they've stopped attacking. We won. We stopped them cold. And uh, so the, the rail car gets going. And everything's good. And there's even talk of giving Wayne a commendation for his quick thinking and closing the door. <laughs> no, no, no. The captain deserves that. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he makes sure that he slips away before anyone starts asking, wait, which lord are you working for exactly? And that's the end of the chapter. So, yeah, we know that Wax's plan is to be inside the car, apparently. I don't know how much more we know about his plan. He says that there's going to be a small army at some point. He needed fishing nets. I, I don't know. I mean, so. We're going into predicaments. If you have any idea what you think Wax is going to pull here, please uh, make that part of it. So, yeah, Wax, I mean, he's maybe going to use his paunch to make a bunch of people mad. I, I honestly have no idea where this is going, and I'm actually pretty excited about that. I mean, my ma my main prediction is that he's, he's working an angle uh, probably along the lines of fooling people into thinking that 
that the stuff is still in the car, but he's going to use his time because he's got, what, 12 hours in there or something, or or at least until... Oh, the, yeah, the door won't open for 12 hours, but that's assuming right. that the Vanishers don't come up with a way to open it, I guess. Right, yeah, so he's going to use that to, like, somehow make the stuff inside disappear, the aluminum disappear. I don't know how that would that would work exactly, but... I think the time limit is is pretty important to his plan. So I think I think he's going to do something inside the car. Like it was very necessary for him to be inside that car, not just so that he could surprise vanishers, but because he's he's working on something to manipulate the metal in some way. Mm, so yeah, okay. that's uh, that's really the best prediction predicament I have at this point. I, I'm really not sure where this could go, but again, I'm actually excited about that. I want to see want to see what happens we're we're kind of getting to the last quarter of the book so i'm uh, yep. excited to see how this is going to wrap up we ended at 78 percent, so yeah we're, yeah we're almost the last 20 percent. so yeah so it's it, it it is like yeah apparently something is very important about him being in the car and it could be as simple as well that's the easiest way to find the hideout make them take right. you with them somehow uh yeah. when they steal everything else but how he's going to disguise himself as as a aluminum for them to steal along with the other contents of the car i don't know yeah i don't know either so yeah interested to see what happens yeah um yeah i'm not sure where the this heist is going to go i mean i think the vanishes the vanishes are definitely going to open it up and wait and like, i like the idea of wax being there it's kind of surprise but i don't <laughs> think that's that's how that's going to play out i think the army that he will have following along will just be like uh wayne and marisai are going to stir up the the guards to follow after the train so they can get there in time to catch the ambush so wayne uh, so wax has backup okay but yeah I, as for the heist itself and what wax's plan is i got no idea as far as all that but i do have a prediction on a completely separate topic i've been thinking a lot about mr suit and, and the fact that he was he was always talking about the set and at first i thought is that house set as in c-e-double-t but no something tells like i because i know we saw some of the sets at the start of the book and like uh maybe not Okay, so Mr. Suit, I think the name Suit is in fact a joke, not on his outfit, but on the body. I think Mr. Suit is a Kandra. Uh, oh, I, so the yeah, whole I body is like a suit. To, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. So I, because I mean, we speculated before about the faceless immortals. That's that's what they're called, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. How about how? Oh, they might be Kandra. And so I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about Bloody Tan because I feel like, aside from the fact that Lessie was killed there, like that whole everything he was ranting about has got to come to play in this story somehow. He talks mm. about how he like he saw death, he saw the survivor, and I thought, all right, well, I, I can't speak for the Colos. We know the Kandra are particularly long lived, so if some of them somehow gained back their sentience. Then they could then they could be around doing their thing. Maybe they were connected to Bloody Tan. They you know they knew the Inquisitors. They might have known Marsh at some point, and they knew and they knew the Survivor. They knew Kelsia mm. um, and Vin. So I feel like I think the set might actually be a group of Kandra who have seen the fact that society is go- is in sort of a repeating pattern. We're back on. It's not as bad as it was before, but they're looking at the fact that humans are in charge and they're doing the same thing. People like you know, the the higher ups are treating the lower people like shit. And mm. so I get the feeling they formed this little cult. They're going to be the, like the something else that has moved people that Bloody Tan was going on about. 
they're going to try and pull an overthrow and the Kandra, like, I, I think they're going to try and take over. Like, they're going to upend human society and position themselves as, like, the more fair and understanding rulers of this world. Um, I no, I don't think that their agreement with the Lord Ruler to harm, no, to kill no human is going to still be in play because it's like, what the fuck do we care about what he said? He's dead. Right. So, I, yeah, I feel like that's their end game. And they've reached out to Miles as a, a human who has similar a similar disposition to try and help them in their goal. I feel like the, yeah, this the, this set, the like if they are Cantra, they, and they're also the Faceless Immortals, they're trying to help the little people of the world by doing what the Survivor and the Ascendant Warrior did by restructuring society to be more fair and understanding mm. to the other people so i think i think that might be their end goal i don't know if any kandra that we ever met are going to be a part of it but yeah i feel like like this this is all just stinging with me i I I think this has got to be it i like this i like the whole because you're right assuming that somehow the kandra like got back their their sentience right the we know that they can easily live because the first generation was like a thousand years old yeah another like uh, 300 years who cares yeah so that's it. I like that. Yeah, that's it's cool. Yeah, it's very intricate. Mm. Very good deck. I like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like the 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 thing I'm stuck on is it's like how did they gain back their sentience? And maybe Marsh gave it back to them because I mm. I maintain that man is alive somewhere, and I will hang out <laughs> until I see that. But maybe Marsh granted them back, granted some of them back their sentience and the, their sentience, and he's maybe they're his private army or something. Oh. And he's this is this is him trying to atone on it. This is me making shit up as I go now. This is not stuff I've thought about. But yeah, maybe Marsh granted them back their sentience, and he's trying to do what Brother Kelsey did and make things better for the little people. I like I like this a lot. Like old Iron Eyes has an army of Conjure working for him. That's that'd be terrifying, actually. Yeah. And there's no reason Sayus couldn't have given back their sentience. I mean, for what they. That's true. That's true. Kind of did in the end. Like he worked with Tensoon and. You know, maybe as a reward, they deserve to live. He even so did something to the Coloss to let them live. So I guess maybe mm. that makes sense. Yeah. We, yeah, the Conjurer were much nicer than the Coloss. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting Says can, like, he could still be active. Like, I always think of him as, like, you know, sort of just, like, being hands-off and sort of guiding people a bit in the right direction, but letting them do their thing. But you're right, there's every possibility he's taking a direct approach, so. Well, yeah. and then... That's an interesting point, because in the annotations for this week, Brandon mentions that Miles, we've, we learned in an earlier chapter that Miles has all these metal mines like piercing his skin so they can't be pushed or pulled. Right. And so mm. it's like all these spikes might give somebody who now has the power of ruin the ability to control a guy, except for the fact that apparently Sazed is uh, oh, hold on, let me I don't want to misquote it. So let me let me bring the thing up. But. Okay, so you might think the spikes in Miles will let Sazed influence him directly, and they would, except that Sazed has taken a complete free will is needed perspective on life, and he won't let himself take control of people directly unless they've quote unquote given themselves to him. And even then, he usually only nudges. But there is something odd going on with Miles. He ends. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Maybe Sazed and Marsh are just having chats. Well, they're two of the only people left from so long ago, one would think. So, yeah, maybe maybe they chatted up every now and then. <laughs> in the same way that Spook had kills here in his head, Marsh has Sace in his head. <laughs> hey, you remember that time we went to the Conventicle? That shit was whack. Sace is like, yeah, it was like all part of an evil plot that Ruin made you do to betray me. I remember. 
Yeah, and I was saying he's saying this to Marsh to to, to bug Marsh. And it's like, do you have to keep bringing it up? I look, I had problems, okay. <laughs> Miles is Marsh, and they are having all the conversations. That was like a theory last time. Somebody had that. Was it you? And because yeah, somebody was like, and, but his hair is black, apparently. So that was like the, your your thing for like, maybe that maybe that's not right. Yeah, but maybe he's, I don't know, got hair dye. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I don't think Marsh I mean, had any hair at easier. the end. I think the, the was, I think the Inquisitors are shaved bald, but that doesn't mean yeah, you can't grow it back, I guess, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. He's had 300 years to work on his comb over. <laughs> I mean, Miles could still be like a Mistborn, but only has gold metal available at the moment. It's an interesting point. I mean, it's possible. One would think that you would have tried out some of the easier metals before you discovered the gold thing, though, right? Like, that's not where you start. Like, maybe I'm a gold alamancer. Maybe I'll just pick up a piece of iron and check that out first. I imagine, what what did Kelsey do with Vin way back at the start? He gave her a vial full of all the metals and just sit down and see what you you can do. My my thing is that maybe maybe using gold because Marsh would have those abilities because he's got ferrochemical abilities and right. Mistborn, yep. uh, like abilities. In living as Miles, maybe he's only using gold, but we've seen inside his brain, mm. or not his brain, but his thought process. Right. Like maybe he's only using gold to not attract as much attention, but you can. Because, I mean, theoretically, he could take his spikes out and heal himself. Right. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. So, you know, maybe he could just be using gold, but maybe he can use a whole bunch more that he hasn't done yet. I don't know. I'm forced to wonder, actually, like, if, so, okay, you make an Inquisitor by, like, taking a bunch of Mistings or even Mistborn and killing them and driving the stakes into, like, the guy that you want Mm. to turn into Inquisitor, right? So... Do you waste time finding a, a gold misting to give them the power to burn gold? Like, why? Like, who cares? I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Weird. Um, okay. That's not where I was going with my predictions. I just thought I would put that out there. <laughs> so, maybe the nets, the really, really strong fishing nets, maybe they're really big as well. Maybe they're just going to put – Miles is going to double-cross everybody. Because he hadn't decided he was going to do that yet. But maybe he will now that he's got a tail. He'll get rid of them somehow. He will find a way in to the train car because he's got all these special abilities because he's actually Marsh, right? So he'll get in to the train car and Wayne will be in there and be like, surprise, and pull this big fishing net over him that's made with no metals. And that will keep him like in one position. And then... Wayne and Marisai will use their combined bubbles and they'll somehow remove all of his gold and defeat him that way in the train car. Mm. I just like the idea of the fishing net, like, paralyzing him a bit. <laughs> it's just <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I, I, I just like what the- he's going to use I just like that you're like uh, that you're like he gets into the car somehow because he's Martian has all the powers right so and that that was that's great. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what Wayne's going to use the fishing net for. I don't know what he needs time to do. I mean, the the train car is made. No, what's the train car made out of? Uh, uh steel. I think he says it's like six feet of steel or something like that. It is steel. Okay. I think so. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Wayne's got something to do in there. Don't know what he's going to do. 
yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of where it's going to go. Is there are things up in the air. I kind of thought before these chapters, I was a bit like, mm, I feel like it's just a really, it's a bit of a slow burn. Like, I just don't know what's going to happen. I feel like the story is probably not as, like, I'm enjoying it. It's not as involved as what we would have had from the Mistborn books, I feel. Mm. It is short. And I was just like, oh, I just, I'm not sure. We are getting to that point of the book where things are going to start to come together and where the puzzle pieces are going to start fitting together. So this last chapter, I think, has started that process for me. I don't know where it's going to go. I agree with Joe a little bit that it's kind of exciting not knowing where it's going to go. Nothing's too predictable at this stage, but it's going to be exciting. Whatever's going to happen, it's going to be really cool. I'm sure of it. Okay. I like that. I like this enthusiasm. This is going to be great mm-hmm. because we, we, we only have the what, two more episodes at this point. So uh, yeah. speaking speaking of, two chapters for next time, people, 17 and 18. And that'll leave us with the one more episode to tie everything up after that. So all your questions will have to be answered, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Three, other, three other books after this, I'm sure they will. If Marsh is going to show up for Dak, he doesn't have much time left. <laughs> Maybe Marsh has already shown up. Oh, yeah, exactly. He's Miles, right. I'd forgotten for a second there. Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing to our predictions, man? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, we don't have new emails, no new reviews, so no need to go into that. If you'd Nobody. like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, Places such as that. Find you can check out our Discord channel, which if you uh, I've posted links several times. If you like a link, feel free to just email, and I will be happy to send you the link to the Discord. We're, uh, we got uh, we're getting new people in all the time. There's a, there's a decent flow of it every couple of days. There's uh, one or two new people, so there I love it. People are on there. Uh, right now we have 70, 80, about ninety registered users. So. Wow. It's a decent number, especially considering we get like uh, usually in the first week, the episode gets like 300 new downloads. So that's like 30 percent of uh, our primary audiences join the discord. I love it. Very cool. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, it's amazing. Music by Miracle of Sound. Get that out there. And so remember, everyone, like I just said, there's only two episodes left in this book before we move on to what comes next. And so two chapters for next time, 17 and 18. Very exciting. Things are like, like Jamie said, it really seems like things are about to kick off. Wax is uh, basically set a fuse by locking himself into this thing that uh, the vanishers are going to try to steal. So we are quickly coming to a head. It's hard to imagine that uh, Wax and Miles won't be coming face to face again pretty quickly. Thank you everyone for listening and wasing to the time of next. Colo. Will we lose everything that defines us? Can we hold to the promise that binds us and carry on into tomorrow's sorrow? When we're facing the ghosts of